Hello everyone and welcome to this latest episode of Before the Crowd. I'm really happy in this episode I've had the renowned vocalist Nady Keating joining me. Uh, Nady, who's worked 25 years in the music industry, recounts some amazing stories, what she thinks has changed and what is going to be happening next in the industry. We talk about her working with Brian Connolly, who was one of the biggest stars in the 1970s, rock and roll stories surrounding Brian, um, what led to his unfortunate death, also, she talks about being signed um, and in collaboration with Island Records and Universal Music and everything that's led to this point in her career and the knowledge that she wants to pass on to new artists and also the fire that she wants to create in young female artists. Okay, welcome to the show. As a vocalist for a number of years. 25 years. 25 years. 25 years, I have to say that louder. <laughs> have yeah. you found a lot of changes in that time? Yes, very much so. Um, it's definitely moved from being a, hev- a heavy sausage party okay. to much more taco time. Um, there's mu- much more women players in the industry now, so it, it, there's not still not enough. Uh, but it's getting there. It's this, the balance is moving more towards the 50-50. Still not there. Okay, because obviously working as a female vocalist, and there's, uh, I'd say there's a tone, obviously women can get from their voices and potentially notes that women can hit that some men can't, and vice versa. Yeah. Do you find that you're called on because of kind of your vocal abilities, or do you think your gender plays a part in what calls you get? Uh, I would definitely say that my gender has in fact held me back, would you believe it or not? Okay. Musicians that I was working with, particularly if we're looking at me being a teenager, mm. and in my first foray into the music industry, aside from singing with my parents' band, it's not cool, <laughs> um, a lot of the time they struggled to find a male vocalist and they knew me and they were like, oh, would you come and help us out? Okay. And so that's where I got, because they didn't want me. They didn't want a girl. They didn't want a female vocalist, they wanted a male singer, but they couldn't find one and anyone they auditioned they didn't like and wasn't good enough and then I think my first signed band I was in, the only reason I became their singer was because I think after about three months of auditions with varying different male vocalists, um, the rhythm guitarist uh, turned around and went, this is bullshit, we already have a singer who's really good. <laughs> and." I don't know why we're looking for somebody else because you think we need a male vocalist and it took three months really for me to find my place within that band even though I'd walked in there and, and owned it pretty much from the start and I'd have been invited to join that band because yeah. I sung with a guitarist in another band. So my guitarist used to wear glasses, this is back in the day before I actually couldn't see very well. Um, and he always wore glasses <laughs> and just as we play they'd slide down his nose and he'd get very sweaty and I just thought one of these days I'm just gonna just push it up um, while he was in the middle of playing and, and I sat, weirdly chose the one day that we were on at a venue where the whole stage was live Okay. so right. there yeah. was the, 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 the st- everything that we touched what I did was I was live, Cog was live 
I reached over, I pushed up his glasses, connected the current and electrocuted him right between his eyes and electrocuted myself. We both went flying back oh on the stage. So, really? You actually shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we didn't shoot back like, you know, was... like Hollywood, like yeah, yeah. Marty McFly at the beginning of Back to the <laughs> to Future. future yeah. But, you know, I jumped back a good couple of feet and, you know, you had the little tremors after as the electricity still wow. firing through you. Um, so we were actually just in the preliminaries of being signed to Ireland records. Okay, um, and then um, we were all, you know, going through, you know, where everything goes to solicitors and, mm-hmm. and uh, deals and contracts get sent. So that's where we were. That was the situation we were at. And then the uh, guitarist announced that he was in love and he was going to leave the band. <laughs> okay. And so there we were, just, you know, grasping just within reach. And they got taken away because... Yeah, 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 because um, I think we were quite young as well. I don't think we knew how to replace. Okay. You know, he was also the the main songwriter. And although, obviously, I wrote some of the songs, he wrote the ones that... The the main bulk of what Mm -hmm. we had. So if he went, he took the songs with him. And then we seemed to be unable to get ourselves organised enough. We couldn't think of another guitarist to hire it sort of the 11th hour so how old were you when this happened uh it's about 18 19 so I was 19 so yeah. really young to the industry yeah no well no you said i say prior experience but you said like you sung like with your parents and and so you're always involved in live music then yeah yeah okay but you know i went through an awkward crappy teenage phase you know where people bully you at school and they'll tell you you're terrible and you listen to them for some reason okay and then um you know i stopped singing for a few years because you know, I was terrible, but they all needed me for a class project and they needed to win a prize or something. Yeah. You know, those people, those lovely people. So what brought you back to singing then, after you took a few years off? Um, that acting route, weirdly, actually. I um, I was always a frustrated actress. Okay. And I loved being fairly dramatic. And I ended up getting a role in a, in a musical. Oh, okay, and, great. Um, and obviously it was a singing part. And I obviously got hired because, I mean, I'm, I'm not stupid, I know. I've got some element of personality. Yeah, oh, um, And I can sing. I can sing. I mm. don't think I was as good then as I am now. That's that's the truth. Yeah. Um, she says, no, but you've obviously progressed over bra- the years. It's a brave statement. <laughs> no, um, but like, how old were you when, when this happened, when you were in the musical? Uh, 16. Okay, so yeah. since you were 16, you everyone hopes they've improved since they were 16. It's, yeah, yeah. Oh, but my pitching... Much better. <laughs> I've actually got, because I'm old, I've got cassettes of me. Not well, wonderful. But they're great to look back on, though, and, and yeah. you, you see your progress. Yeah. And I say this to people all the time, because they have a lot of issues with themselves. And I was like, well, if you record yourself now, just six months' time, a year's time, if you really work at it, you're going to see this progress. Yeah. But sorry to deter from that. So no, you're, no, you're so right. I use that as a teaching tool all the time. I say, you know, today is today, but six months from, to na- from now is... You'd be completely different, yeah. Completely different artist. I'm very different 20 years down the line to where I was. So what musical were you in then? Oh, gosh. So this is one of those really (laughs) embarrassing things. Um, Great. (laughs) So I did do a lot of little acting jobs. Nothing really of any note, but I was on some terrible TV shows. Um, And mostly just as background or, or, um, uh, uh, what's it they call them, where, where you're a featured extra. Okay, so you, so you have like one or two speaking lines? or Not always, sometimes, but it doesn't mean you always get gets broadcast. You'll only earn the featured extra thing if you actually get broadcast. Okay. It's a very big, otherwise you're just an extra. Right. So you get yeah. an extra fee. Um, <laughs> it's only if it gets broadcast. So for most of the time, you know, 
your mind are in Grange Hill and you're too young to probably remember those shows. No, I remember Grange Hill. Them. I gotta dig that up. You really on Grange Hill. I was on Grange Hill. I was on the bill as well. Um, Mind of the Bill and Grain Chill, it's the rite of passage for anybody in in, in Britain. It's, we all go through. It's what you go things. through to get to the next, yeah. Yeah. So I was on those things, and then because of that, then there was a musical. I, I should also add, I am um, I seem to be at the knocking walls at the door of things that are going to be good, and then there's failure <laughs> on the on the cusp <laughs> on the horizon. So I did this musical. We went into pre-production, and then I think it didn't have enough money to be back. I don't honestly. I think it might have been. A bit like springtime for Hitler. I genuinely think that they thought this is a really good idea. Let's hope it closes on the first night and we can cash out all the checks. Okay. And the song and it was the musical was based on. I'm so embarrassed. This is going to be public knowledge. <laughs> and it's, where's my shame? Where are you? Kick in, please. I need you. Um, the, the musical was called Bernadette. 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 Okay. It's based. <laughs> I have a Catholic mother, I'm very sorry. Um, it's based on the appearance of the Virgin Mary okay. at Lourdes. Oh, great. And did you, uh, who, who did you play in this? I was one of the, uh, Fatima, the sister. I wasn't going to be Bernadette, okay. I was going to be <laughs> Fatima. And what did Fatima do? What was her role in the... She, she got appeared to... No, not Fatima. No, I... Uh, was that Fatima? Actually, don't think I can remember her name. I was something. I'm saying Fatima. My brain went Fatima. I don't think that is it. Actually, I don't. I can't remember my character because the thing is, we went into pre-production for things, and it was mm -hmm. going to be shown at the Dominion Theatre, and then it literally just folded. It just oh, wow. cash ran out or something, or someone came to their damn senses and went, "This is a shit idea. No one gives a toss about a tiny girl from a village in France." Who the Virgin Mary appeared to, and now the water's holy. I'm no one gives a shit about that stuff. <laughs> that sounds you know? like when you put it like that, I would go and see that play. You wouldn't. But I would. But I, I envision it as a comedy, as a parody of itself. No, it was really serious. <laughs> in in the same way that Jesus Christ Superstar is still really serious. Come on, that's not going to be. I've seen that. It's a few years, but I've seen that play. I've seen that show. Because at the end, when he gets, um... it's a surprise. Don't spoil it for Can people. I, yeah. You know, <laughs> no one knows what happens Spo to Jesus. <laughs> You're going to ruin it for them. Yeah, I know. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but when he when he's elevated at yes. the end, or yeah. at least in the production I saw, and they're all um, yeah, it depends on the budget, I guess. No, no. Generally, this gets some cash thrown at it. <laughs> I think this is where the Bernadette people were thinking, if Jesus can do it, we can do. The, we, get, yeah. we can pull off the whole lonely sheep herder or whatever the fuck. So did was. you tell your Catholic mother that you? But were my mother actively wanted me to do this role and was actively pushing me for it because it was a serious, because um, it, like because, a tribute to. But it's Bernadette and it's the Virgin Mary. You want her? You come on. <laughs> And I was just sort of like, I had so dialed out of religion by the time I was 15, 16. I okay. refused to make my poor Catholic mother happy by doing my confirmation. And I denounced I was an atheist. And I was telling the priest at school to bugger off. And, you know, I wasn't getting anywhere near the Catholic Church. They turned their back on the Jews and go and screw themselves. Apologies to Catholic people. But that's I think my just, obnoxiousness um... at 15 was allowed to feel it there. No, but I mean, like, you know, I can see you sat wearing an ACDC shirt. I just imagine, like, 15-year-old you blasting Highway to Hell. Definitely 15-year-old me was a grunger, so I had blue hair, the nose ring. I okay. was very much, I was not engaging. I'm Generation X, so we are yeah. very much whatever. <laughs>
Like, do you want to make this? No. But if you don't make this, you'll never ever get married. Oh, well. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, you know. And so when the musical fell through, I was pleased. I actually was So you didn't want to do it? No. I, no, because I knew it was going to be rubbish. And the thing is, is that by that point, my... <laughs> I'd discovered grunge and grunge was like the anti-hero it was more like this is ridiculous it sort of looked at all the I know you like some of the bands I'm about to diss but you know it was looking at the likes of you know Poison and stuff like that just going it's ridiculous man gotta stop I mean the, the thing is with Poison they <sighs> sorry go yeah, on yeah no I mean like I, I don't know if they're nice people or whatever but uh, uh, the bands that came out of that era I think there's better ones. Oh, agreed. And there's ones that I gravitate... I mean, part of my upbringing put me towards 70s and 80s kind of glam rock, hair metal bands, because that was what I was brought up listening to. But never Poison, like, just the the reverb, stadium snare on the records. It just that... For me, it always sounded like they were trying to be Bon Jovi. Badly. Yeah, and it was... Okay, okay, that's still a household name, pretty much however many years on. Yeah. So I guess we must have done something right, but I, I just always felt like there was better bands Yeah. at that time. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. There were probably far more exciting and better bands at the time, but for some reason, we got poisoned. And I think you get what you pay for, don't you? You know, you get... And it should be mocked. You should have Bill and Ted, you know, recite, every rose there's a thought, and you know. <laughs> And, and it should be mocked for what it is because it's not very good. And I think that grunge just basically flipped the tables in mm. the restaurant and it so totally needed to. And it was unfortunate for a band like Extreme because mm-hmm. they really were good and they weren't poison. And unfortunately, they came too long too late. Yeah. So then when they were trying to absolutely carve their niche, they just looked like a slightly better warrant. Yeah. yeah, but even Warren only had Cherry Pie. No. That was the hit. No. That was the hit, though. That was the hit, but... The they, was it two albums? They had two albums, yeah. They did have... They had a couple... I mean, it depends. They had one hit over here, but they had a couple of hits somewhere else. But, okay. yeah, still, you know, their time had come. You know, it was yeah. done. And it needed to be... It needed to, to have that. And I think, you know, rock has always needed a good kick up the arse. Bishop Brennan style. It needs it, because <laughs> it has to be done. It's a great you know. reference, yeah. <laughs> you know, but this is the thing. It's sort of, so, you know, appeasing my mother by doing some ridiculous religious musical where the songs were just really poor was not really where I was. And where I was was very much, you know, dialing into those more morose lyrics and, you know, exploring more of my creativity. And it was a big leap away as well from being a little metalhead as well, you know, mm. from like listening to... Megadeth and Metallica and right. you know and, and Guns N' Roses and all those things it was transformative so were those your kind of earlier influences as a vocalist or just as a in general my biggest influences really weirdly mm-hmm. as a vocalist um, I, I, it's I think it's been one of those unusual things for me is that my number one love has been always been Kate Bush Okay. And, and I absolutely still to this day I get like one of my students this morning did a Kate Bush song. I get I'm very excited. I I like yeah, someone likes Kate Bush. Yeah. <laughs> I, I genuinely like this three year old me who pestered my mum, can we buy the kick inside in Woolies? And I've still got that album. 
You know, I'm very happy. I've got a copy of Wuthering Heights on seven inch thing. I collect vinyl now, so it's acceptable. But back then, you know, <laughs> these were the things that I asked for. I was slightly conventional in that, you know, most five year olds wanted a tiny tears. And I wanted a tiny tears too, but I also wanted the Babushka single because I absolutely love that as well. We love it. Is it, is, you know, is there a big difference between what uh, female artists will go out and wear and act like today as compared to back when you started gigging? I think girls are a lot more able to wear what they want. Uh-huh. I think there's definitely, particularly in the last couple of years, there's been a real big movement with trying to not body shame people so that actually girls of all shapes and sizes because we aren't all one size fits all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of quite good, you know. I think if... I think there were times I think if I look back on me when I had some junk in the trunk I, I was very thin but you know there were times when I used to drink beer at one point in my uh, <laughs> you know beer is just basically liquid calories isn't it yeah. all alcohol is but beer really is um, and I think I, I gave myself a a, a a rather fetching beer belly okay um, and I was it's the 90s so I still used to wear crop tops and things and you know people will come up and actively tell you you're too fat for that I don't think really? that exists anymore. Wow. Um, but I don't think it's gone. That's the thing, unfortunately. I think for women, I think if you are on your own, going to get... I'm still not safe, even though I'm now so old and so unattractive and so utterly unapproachable, that I still get guys who actively come up and pester me and, you know, get a kiss, love. No, I'm not giving you a kiss, really? you dickhead. Wow. You know, so these things, this is still something that's very prevalent that exists in the music industry. And... I don't genuinely think we do enough with women. We've got to change this approach yes. to women in music and how, not only how men treat them, but yeah. how women are allowed to react to men and they need to have this instilled in them from a young age. That's I, what you're saying. I'm saying that women need to be a damn sight more angrier than we currently are. So women really do need to tell people to fuck off. Okay. And I'm really very, very passionate about that. Because I actually think that we have for far too long, and particularly my mum's generation, they just accepted stuff. And she says that. She looks at me and goes, well, back in my day, you know, we weren't allowed to do those things. If I'd have spoken back to your father, he'd have beat the shit out of me. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, he would have gone to sleep one night and that would have been his final sleep if he'd ever mm. done that to me. Um, I, don't, I genuinely don't think that my mum's generation because I can only really rely on her generation because she's the generation before me I guess I'm yeah. the generation before you and I just think that they just accepted a lot of fuckery that just for me I'm not going to take that I'm not mm. going to take that at all I wasn't going to take it when I was younger and I'm not going to take it absolutely now when I'm older and no one gives a shit about me so now I really can say these things but I just think that we need to be raising women that write their own songs if they do, because this is it. If they are an artist that creates, that they don't walk into a studio and have a, a, a male turn around and go, no, 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 I'm going to do this. And have someone feel that it's his right to be able to take over the artistry okay. and the arrangement of her song. And because what will happen is, is that we find ourselves voiceless because we feel like we can't communicate. Okay. Actually, I don't, I don't, I don't really like that. No, 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 no. It's my song. So they need that independence to say, this is me, I'm the artist you've hired, let me be an artist. I had my record deal, so I actually did have a record deal, by the way. The the island thing was a 
near miss, but I actually did get signed. Okay. Um, and I Sorry. had an album, and you know things were all going very well. But unfortunately, what happened during during that time was it's a very weird anomaly, and it's probably listed on my website. But basically, um, uh, my dad died, and um, I'd had a bit of writer's block up until that point. I'd been in a bit of a disastrous relationship, and. Okay. That person cheated on me, and then literally that relationship ended, and my dad died within, within I think a couple of months. Wow! So it was a lot to take on, and mm. I, I'm genuinely going to say that it's very unpleasant for people to hear, but it's great for songwriting that stuff. It's okay. brilliant because it just gives you stuff to write about. Because if you're happy, someone gives you shit, but you're happy. No one wants to hear about happy stuff. That helped your writer's block having those events. Literally, writer's block. Um, blo- I mean, within days of my dad's, oh, my dad died on the Saturday, and I started penning songs on the Tuesday. And even though I sat in a darkened room for seven days, mm-hmm. and I didn't talk to anybody, answer the phone, do anything, I didn't. The only thing I did literally was was walk my dog and feed my dog. Okay. I didn't deal with any other element of of, of my life. Mm-hmm. Sat and wrote. And I had these songs, and I'd had songs that I'd nurtured, that I'd taken with me through other bands, and um, and then I was given an opportunity to to. So it's a very convoluted thing. So basically, I was asked to sing this ridiculously terrible pop song okay. for this record label. The song was horrendous; like it was very, very bad. Okay. And. Um, as a session vocalist, I had no problem singing it because I am a shameless whore who will work for money. But as an artist that has to sign my name to something, I absolutely wouldn't be within wouldn't be within twelve thousand miles of it. Okay. And so what happened was, as I'd done that before, before, before my dad passed, and the record label called me in, and he was sort of like, "The session went really well." I mean, because. The other thing as well, he'd offered it to me and two other singers, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd gone in being a professional singer. I'd done it in under an hour. I'd done it in forty-five minutes. It was, okay. it was my job. That's yeah. what I do. Mm-hmm. My job as a session vocalist is get in, get out. Great. Yeah. You know, leave no leave no fingerprints. <laughs> um, the other girl who gave it to spent entire afternoon on it, and the other girl who was really gorgeous looking. She just was a disaster. A car crash. She spent the entire day. They got a third of it in tune. The rest had to be auto-tuned. Not um, what you want from a session vocalist, then. No, but no. I think what he wasn't clear about was that he actually wanted to sound like an artist. He wanted to release a pop singer. Okay. And I think he'd seen me <clears throat> sing and he thought, well, you know, because I also get that there are elements of my voice that could be poppy. If I was so inclined, I would have absolutely have made it. Probably wouldn't be sat talking to you anyway. <laughs> You'd be on top of a world as well. <laughs> I'd be in the jungle eating some kangaroo testicles. Yeah. No, I'd be desperate. Um, but luckily for me, I'm not that person and I have some ethics and my ethics have kept me sufficiently poor. We love it. And I love Barbra Streisand. Okay. All right? And I'm really good with stuff like that. But I also really love Slayer. And I love Lamb of God. Great. And yeah. I love Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. And Guns N' Roses were the definitive turning point for me. Because up to that point, I think I was a bit, you know, like most 80s kids. I was all like, yeah, everything's great. Cause it was a real mixed bag in the 80s. But once I heard Appetite for Distraction, I was like, what now? What's happening now? This is good. I like this. This says something about me. And, you know, obviously they were very dangerous, very exciting, and upset my mum immensely, so I was double thumbs up. No, I was saying when I heard that album, it was 
Turning point. Yeah, turning point for me, really. Because up to that point, huge Madonna fan. That's, well, a, that's a big jump on... It's a massive jump. Yeah. It's that? a massive jump to go from Kate Bush and Madonna and, you know, I was quite lucky I had quite a lot of female singer role models as well, so like the Rhythmics and Cindy Lauper okay, and stuff yeah. like that. Lots of really amazing singers in the 80s. I was blessed. Singing Cindy Lauper is hard as a vocalist. Oh, I've, I've seen people attempt it and it's... Yeah, she's they need to face the love. No, yeah. That is, I love it. But, you know, I can agree with you. She's, 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 she's a very amazing musician mm. as well, so she's a... She's more than the sum of her parts, that's for sure. Yeah. But, you know, so to have that whole thing, I could have easily have done it. I just didn't want to. And so when he called me in and he was, we're going to make you a real big pop star. It's going to be just going to, I'd be like, oh, fucking hell, you. And everybody else who I'd <laughs> met. And I'd already been down and sat with Don Arden, you know, Sharon Osbourne's dad. Mm-hmm. And he tried to put me in a pop group. He'd come and see my gig. He literally come to about four or five of my gigs. He was begging me, please, come along, we wanted to be in a band. And I was like... And then he got me one day after I'd had a tooth extraction and I was high off my face on Novocaine. So he was like, will you come down? I was like, yeah! Never remembered, but luckily my mum was there going, you agreed to meet somebody in two days. I was like, shit, did I? <laughs> Which is a whole other funny story. Um, but there was just all of that opportunity to go into the world of commercial pop, and I just didn't want it. That's not what I wanted to say. I didn't feel that that's anything for me. So when I sat there with this record label, and he mocked up, oh my god, a, a, a CD, like a CD single cover, and he was like, we would really love to release this. And I was like, oh, fuck me, no. What was wrong with it? What was... Everything. Okay. <laughs> I was good. Everything else was fucking terrible. The song was bad. It was trite writing. It was just shit. What, was, what was the song called? so high it was just shit <laughs> and the evidence of it was is that where is that song now if it was such a good song somebody else would have snapped mm. the record label would have snapped the bit in their bloody hands off for it it would have got taken on still would have been a hit yeah <coughs> you know it is not torn by natalie and brulia this is not a song that started off by being something and then became a pop hit no the song was truly terrible okay and i think at that point that record label guy had sat there and gone well, what do you want to do? And I went, well, actually, I have my own songs. So I sat there and, you know, I played him a couple of the songs. You know, as I said, the the tap had, had the faucet had, had opened, the tap had opened, mm-hmm. and I actually had some stuff to say. So I sat and played him some of these songs. And actually, one of them was also truly fucking terrible as well, that the Eurovision had been interested in. So just to give you an idea of how terrible it is. Oh, cut that bit out. <laughs> 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 just in case. Okay, we'll take my. <laughs> you might have shut it down. Uh, okay. Um, and he was like, "That's really good." He said, uh, "I'll give give me." He said, uh, "I'll give you a week." He said, uh, "Come back with a few more songs," and then I just spent a month, and I thought, "Now nah, fucking spend a month, and I'll actually, you know, put some more effort into these." Mm. And at that point, I think I needed somebody to help me draw out some of the more musical elements within the song, and I know my limits. That's the one thing I think I know. But this is where we come back to that not standing up for the things that I believed in. So um, a friend of mine, amazing musician, and he is amazing. And I, and I do not regret for one second writing and working with him. One of the greatest things I've ever done. But um, when we went back to the record label and we, with instead of three songs, ten songs, yeah. and we were pretty much good to go at that point, you know, and he was like, great, I'll sign you. Wow, um, just like that. Just like that. Which isn't that how it's supposed to go, right? Yeah. You know, the songs are there. I'm fucking awesome. 
and Joe's fucking awesome, so we're fucking awesome. And it was supposed to be me. And at that point, having been in several bands that had folded for one reason or another, I'd finally come round to, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be a solo artist now, I did. And that was when the record label were like, we think you two should be a duo. We think you should be like the next Eurythmics. There hasn't okay. been a duo in years. And literally as we were releasing, the Ting Tings were releasing, which were a male-female duo. Um, and it was just things like that. And it was really weird. I didn't want to be part of a duo. I wanted to be a solo. My band was called Nady. It's stupid. It doesn't make no sense. Mm. You know, that's fine if you're Van Halen. You know, right, yeah. you can be Van Halen because Van Halen wouldn't exist without Eddie. But Joe didn't really need me. I needed Joe. You know, it was a very mm. different thing. I don't know, I, very much at that point, I did not want to be a duo. Um, I remember the label boss sitting me down there and going, you two need to be a duo. And for him, it was a business thing, because he would pay Joe slightly less. And right. having to give him the full producer ah, stuff, okay. So there's always some reasoning behind these decisions, because they're going to market it as, this is best for business, this is best for you, but really it's them saving costs. Yeah, yeah. Which is, is the nature of a beast, I guess, with record labels, I mean. Yeah. Music industry, if they're not fucking you, they're fucking you and you don't know about it, you know, so, you know, it's like the entity, someone is sneaking in there and grabbing your bits and we don't know who, who it is until it's too late. But this was back when record labels had more power and that was like, the thing to do was to get signed, whereas now no one cares so much about getting signed. I think there's something to being signed and it's kind of weight of your words when you're like an unsigned artist, but, um, uh, what's her name? One of the latest pop artists got something like 22 million hits on YouTube right now. Oh. Just her and her brother. In oh, Billie Eilish. Yeah. Thank you. In a, um, in a bedroom. Yeah. Completely produced. Yep. Her and her brother in a bedroom. Yep. Like, could you imagine something like that happening 20 years ago? No, but then you wouldn't have had Daniel Beddingfield if it wasn't for that, you know, Cubase. Mm. And his bedroom. That's true. Yeah. You know, so it's not like the music industry wasn't capable of it. I think the music industry. I mean, if you look at Kate Bush as being one of those very innovative artists, you know, mm. she came off the road and went, nah, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then decided to build her own studio because she didn't want to be controlled by EMI. And this is the one thing. If she had been a man, EMI wouldn't have forced her to not use her own band. This is the band that she played with for five years. Mm. She was used to them. It's they were used to her. The band I'm playing in right now, they got offered a record deal just before I joined the band. Um... And the, the, the label said to them, they said, okay, you've got to drop these two band members and we're going to replace them with session guys. Mm -hmm. And they went, no, we're not doing it. We're keeping our own musicians. And the label went, okay, bye. Bye, yeah. And then consequently that didn't work out, which is how I ended up joining the yeah. band. But some yeah. people will, it is the big, it's standing up for yourself, which I kind of going back to what you're saying about female artists. It's being angry. It's saying no to people. Yeah. And learning how to stand up for yourself. And learning how to stand up for... Look, and it, I have to emphasise this, it's not just yourself. It's your artistry. Mm -hmm. So it's all the elements of it. When the record label turn around to somebody vulnerable who's probably got some body dysmorphia and some mental health issues, some anxiety, things like that, mm. tells them, you're too fat. I remember um, Universal sitting yeah. with me and going, we will sign you. Because I wanted one of my songs, Grab One of These, the whole story. And um, I was a size 10, but I've, I've really only gained mass okay. as I've got older um, because of being older and lazier and <laughs> the other things 
the drinking. Liquid calories, right? The liquid calories, said, yeah. yeah. You know, liquid potato. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember being thin, and I was fit, and I was a dancer, and, you know, I used to run six miles a day with my dog, because that dog needed to be run, otherwise he'd hump things, and he was big. You couldn't <laughs> let him hump things. One day you will be the thing he will hump. Okay, so you've got to you've keep got him exercised. You keep so that boy exercised. So you know, he's no balls, you. but he'll give you a really good run <laughs> for your money. But six miles a day, you know, listening to Queens of the Stone Age and stuff, it was a great album to run to, incidentally. Yeah. Um, to turn around and say to me that I'm not, I'm not thin enough. You need to hit the gym six days a week. You, you, you're not. You're too round. You're too big. Was a size fucking ten. That's what you were faced with. You're too big. You're too big. At size ten. At size ten. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I uh, having been a size eight prior to that, I've been told by my previous label I was too thin, and I needed to put on weight because I actually just looked. You, it's not Karen Carpenter, darling. We don't want you to look like Karen Carpenter. And then that deal ended, and then as I said, I was approached by Universal. But you can't win. Um, you can't you win as can't a woman. Win. And it's that needing to tell people to fuck off. Because actually, I'm not chattel. I'm not here to serve you. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because a guy can be ugly, and his breath can stink, and he can be fat, and he can be jolly well unpleasant. And yet he can be fine to be all those things. But a woman, the minute she turns 29, you're unfuckable. You know, you are old now. It's time for you to move on to the jungle where you can eat some kangaroo testicle and cry over a spider and put on your face. Right. I'm assuming this is what happens on that program. <laughs> um, apparently they can't eat stuff anymore because of animal rights. Brilliant. Because <laughs> you, the animal no longer owns that penis, but therefore it still does have a right for you to not eat I, that penis. So, I mean, you know. But that's where the careers for so many people go. Yeah. Sometimes it weirdly rejuvenates someone's career, which yeah. I never understand. Yeah. How that works. Now you're now famous for a whole generation of people for eating some form of animal genital. Yeah. Which is. Because that's all you see, and like you watch it with, like if I watch it with my parents, and they're like, "Oh, this person was this great personality back in the seventies." I'm like, I don't, I just know what he's eating. I don't know yeah. his career or his CV. I don't, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. I mean, I honestly can say I've never seen that programme not once in my life, but because um, I don't watch telly at all, which also makes me, you know, I'm, I'm still very, very, very grunge, I like to think. Okay. I'm still telling everything to fuck off, because no one gives a shit. Is that what so. grunge is to you? Is that the, the, you don't want to be, like, you're kind of segregating yourself by not watching TV, it's the fuck you attitude? No, I don't watch TV because they're not intellectually stimulating me, so, so I'm not going to give the BBC 100 and whatever the fuck it is a year. Yeah. To not do that. I'd rather pay Netflix. More Net- choice. Yeah, there's some great <laughs> stuff on Netflix. So for me, it just comes down to it, really. It's, mm-hmm. I, I opted out of TV, I think, around about 2004 and never really tuned back in. It's- I've missed a lot, I get. <laughs> but fundamentally, once they started f- flushing society with the toilet of reality TV, I was like, you know what, I'm good. I'm really good. It gives me more time to sit and focus and write and create and I'm fine with all of that. When, yeah, once you take kind of those elements of media out of your life, it does leave a lot of room for other stuff. A lot of room. And this is that thing, you know, I guess my idols being people like Kate Bush and mm-hmm. Joni Mitchell have never really played the, played to the to the fiddler's tune. They've really only ever done what they wanted to do. Mm. And they're fortunate enough to be geniuses. This is the thing I've had to realise is that I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a genius. You're not a genius. <laughs> it's fine, I'm fine with it. It's sad. Well, how, how did you get to a realisation that... You said like you're not a genius. Joni well, Mitchell was. What what prompted that change in, in in your thinking? I th- 
think that um I don't know I, I you know for Joni Mitchell for me definitely it was that realization that as I got older she wrote both sides now at 21 okay so once you hit that age I just went I've not done anything that is as profound as that and I think Kate Bush has done that as well I'm not saying that that should be the measure of I'm a genius so I wrote something very profound because a lot of twats have written some profound shit too everybody can get lucky every now and then if you give them a typewriter for long enough uh -huh. but I don't know I just think they were just born to make a difference but I think even that and that approach I think shows how kind of females are indoctrinated because you can purchase yourself someone at 21 Whereas you look at, like we mentioned Metallica earlier, I mean, I know James Hetfield's in rehab now, but what are they, 50 something, 60? Yeah. And teenagers look up to them and you're like, oh, yeah, or like, you know. They're shopping a Rodeo Drive. They're <laughs> absolutely not the thing they were. And for those of us that, that went on that journey with them, we look at them and go, are you fucking kidding me? You're crying because someone stole some money from you on Napster, and I get the the need to hold on to your to your music. Mm -hmm. Those guys were such massive dicks about it. I mean, with the whole Napster thing yeah, back yeah. in the day. Well, it was more Lars, wasn't it? Because yeah. the, cause the fans turned on them, and I remember seeing all the um, like Metallica fans like in the street, like you know, crushing the CDs underfoot, like we're never listening to them again. That's it, we've had it. And then people go, we're going to go listen to Megadeth. <laughs> it's like, like the alternative. Like, like our mumbling Dave Mustaine hasn't been a giant penis right. in his existence as well. <laughs> But this is the other thing. Dave and James and Lars are allowed to be a massive, great big, you know. They started fresh. They, they have a right to it, I think. Are they? What gives them a right over Kate? What gives them a right over Britney? Well, that's a good question, I think. But Why I... can't Britney carve her own? I mean, she got very fucking interesting ten years ago. She shaved her head. She started hanging around with a guy which was clearly not good for her. She walked around in bare feet in disgusting places that mm. she could have bought things. She beat people up with an umbrella. <laughs> I think I've seen that. Britney beating someone up with... I know, like, the, the head shaving and the bare feet, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah. she became infinitely much more interesting than someone who wore a double denim outfit with her, you know, ramen-haired boyfriend. I just think that she wasn't interesting when she was playing the game, and she got more interesting when she bore her soul. So, so what Britney became... But what oh, she's not now because you know well, she's heavily medicated and that's exactly how her controllers want her yeah. she's much more interesting as someone who would be allowed to actually exist and accept that she's probably got some mental health issues it's perfectly fine, very so, normal so kind of, and I agree I think that is completely normal but kind of the Britney before that kind of pre-head shaving that and this kind of uh, icon of sexualization of women in who the was a virgin by the way don't forget she was the record company were very explicit that Britney was allowed to be a virgin, but we were supposed to buy into the fact that the boy band that whatever the other guy was from, Timberlake was from, um, they yeah. were all shagging girls every night even though three of them were gay. And they weren't allowed to admit that three of them were gay. And it's that kind of weird dichotomy in the music industry. The girl has to be the virgin. Mm -hmm. But he's supposed to be out there sticking it in anything that will stand still long enough but for the, the three minutes. The girl who's it. a virgin, that's the chase. It's the um, it, it's what men kind of want. It is that because she um, was uh, hit me baby one more time. But it was like yeah. the schoolgirl. Allegedly, video, her idea to come up with the school uniform. And every time you read that bullshit somewhere, you think, okay, 
So no, what do you think that did for women in music? What was that, like 2001? I think 99, wasn't was it? it? Or something, something like that. It was around about the late 90s. And... Okay. So what do you think that did for women in music? What, having a 17-year-old dressed up as a schoolgirl, allegedly of her own doing, in a Catholic schoolgirl's outfit, didn't do us a lot. In spite of, and obviously you believe that wasn't her doing, but she's like, oh, this is me, I've done this. Do you think it was empowering to people? No. I think she was very much handled and controlled. And I think because she wasn't old enough, I think her parents are probably desperate for her to be famous. I don't doubt for one second that she was desperate to be famous as well. It's a lot of that. Well, she, she was a child star. She was, was on she? A, she was on, I think, the Mickey Mouse Club. Okay, I don't know. I don't know what that is. It's, it's the, like the, I think the Disney Channel in America has some some group activities where I think um, the Marmon dude, what's it, uh, Justin Timberlake, and uh, the sexy actor guy who was in what's his name, Ryan something, Ryan Gos Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Okay. And then Christina Agu Aguilera. Um, and you know they were all on the thing, so you know you get introduced to people mm. at that. So you, you start making your way into the movers and the shakers, but what they do, they pretty much ascertain quite, quite quickly. Those people because they're devious and manipulative, and they know that that parent will absolutely do anything for their child to jump through the hoops. And then yet, turn of a century, seventeen-year-old, pegged as a virgin, um, being kind of a, a, a sexual icon yeah. to the masses. Yeah. So I don't think that does a lot for us. And I think we got kind of a bit blurry and a bit confused because Madonna smashed so many boundaries by mm, yeah. telling everybody to fuck off, which was very interesting and quite exciting for someone like me. She upset the church and upset and, everybody. Because she uh, released the book, I think it was just called Sex, yep, wasn't it? Yeah, certainly was. I've got a copy of it. The, the coffee table book, right? The, um... Great boobs, old Madge. <laughs> it really has. They but, are phenomenal. But that was pretty much immediately banned, wasn't it? No, I mean, I think you could still probably purchase a copy of it uh, mm. online. But it was like highly controversial and... <coughs> yeah, but that's ridiculous, right? Why is a woman's body highly controversial? Why Why can I get to see D'Angelo with his shirt off and it's so low down I get to see whatever that interesting muscle group that I quite like, you know? <laughs> I mean, why? Why can Robin Williams show his penis in The Fisher King? But why is Madonna's stuff like, you know, it's that whole thing. It's that very, it's that, again, it's that dichotomy with how we treat women versus mm -hmm. how we treat men. And uh, I, for one, I just don't want to stand for that anymore. And I really genuinely don't want women to stand for that anymore. I don't, if you want to whip your boobs out, that's your, they're your boobs. Mm -hmm. You should be able to do what you want. They're yours. Um, it's just your anatomy. It's, yeah, yeah. It's just boobs, right? And fucking page three in the sun does that still go i, I wouldn't know I wouldn't read uh, that. I, I, we can assume know. we'll make an assumption that page three i assume still goes okay um it's just it's been there for a time as long as rupert murdoch's had his grubby little hands mm -hmm. in our media page three literally turned the first page tits and that's what it is yeah and those women have been marginalized because you can't have tits and be smart. You can't be sexy and be smart. And they get quite surprised. But, you know, people write a lot of shit on the internet that was written by a fucking, you know, that was helped being invented by a woman called Hedy Lamarr. And the reality is, is that that very beautiful, famous German actress invented the, the, the basis 
of the Wi-Fi waveform thing that we use is the internet now. Exactly. Thanks to Hedy Lamarr, yeah. the fucking woman. That she can't be smart and be beautiful. You know? So and if you've got someone like Dolly Parton, who is fucking smart, by the way, uh-huh. and she's exceptionally talented, she's forever going to grow up in an industry where she's told she's not good enough. She's not pretty enough. Tits aren't big enough. You're not enough. Well, she's an interesting one, isn't she? Because she's now in that position where she's had these um, artificial enhancements and a plastic surgery to almost to stay relevant. Like, she's been forced into that, arguably. Yeah. But she shouldn't do, you know, we shouldn't be looking at the likes of Priscilla Presley. And women like mm. that shouldn't be forced into turning their faces into some weird fucked up kabuki mask. Should be more Emma Thompson. Should be embracing her wrinkles, embracing her grey hair. We're infinitely a lot more interesting as we're older. And the reason we are that is because we aren't the, we aren't the story that, that we are at 17. Mm-hmm. We're on the starting ladder of it. But if we're constantly told that we as women are not enough, we're not enough in this industry, you're not hot enough, I'm so sorry, but at 29 now, no one wants to fuck you. I think, I think, it's, I, I think we have moved forward as society. I don't want to be so purposely negative that I don't want to say that we are, we are a lost cause. I, no, think, but I think that depends on the out, on the outcome of this general election, just whether I actually fully definitively say we're a lost cause. Well, but yeah, but we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. I've worked front. with enough signed artists. I've 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 done enough, you know, touring to know that I I know I see fans. Mm. I see those fans. I've seen those fans who followed those people for thirty odd years, forty odd years. They're brilliant, and I think true good artists will understand that actually it's those people. They made you. They kept you going. They're still keeping you going. And, and and you're not you're not in the charts anymore for some people there's you know there's a really good example Belinda Carlisle mm-hmm. right got loads of hits right yeah loads of great songs absolute knockout she is still stunning still stunning and um she's not in the charts now she could still be writing she's got a great voice she's got a very unique and quite distinctive voice but people don't want to fuck her anymore because she's in her fifties but yet Rick Astley. Yeah. is out there and it's it's not to say that neither of them are good it's just that that is the very big difference between mm-hmm. the music industry the man gets older you know Harrison Ford can sit on an airplane and fuck a 20 year old right but right. but you know um, Madonna or pick what pick someone yeah uh, and it's that's the difference isn't it and I think that's what our media drives us to even to okay let's ignore the last couple of years but someone like johnny depp who was doing the savage adverts as a 50 (laughs) as as a 50 year old man yeah but if you put a like you know belinda carlisle or madonna and it's completely different yeah and i think it i think it's based on what you said it's literally it's that unfairness so if we're talking about a woman in the industry is only worthwhile because she's fuckable and I heard this all about Kate as well when she did her, her gigs mm. in 2014 that I went to see. Yeah. Is that, um, I just want to get that out there. I'm such a fan. I went to book Kate, yeah. <laughs> and I cried. I'm not even embarrassed about it. It's it's like, <laughs> it's and, then I, and then I saw Tim McInerney, you know, Captain Darling. Because he was in, obviously, this woman's work. This is our tangent, and I'll come back. Okay, no, I want to hear about Captain Darling, though. I, I, <laughs> oh, you... you the, the one thing my mum says is you don't get better looking as you get older but you do get smarter 
So as we were up there in the after show, and I was desperately trying to wangle my way in someone to meet Kate. I was like, fuck this, I'm going to meet Kate. I'm stupid enough now that I can try and pull this off. <laughs> and I'm stood up there, and there's loads of people just meandering around. There's loads of people I recognise. And then I just went, oh, it's Captain Darling! And he turned around, and you could see so polite, so British. And he went, oh, hello. And I went, oh, turned to my friend. And I went, it's Captain Darling, it's Captain Darling. She went, oh. Because oh, no. she loves Kate Bush, but only the songs she likes, bless her. Which is great. Still love her. That's fine. I'm for it. But she didn't recognise him from this woman's work video because I don't think she's ever really sat down and saw it because I think she's just all about listening to the song. Okay. She obviously never watched Blackadder either. I don't think that's... She can quote you Faulty Towers <laughs> like until you turn into Manuel, but she's obviously never watched any of the Blackadders. It was je suis disappointed. I was like... Oh. And then I went, it's Tim McKinnery. And he went, it's actually Tim McInerney, actually. And I went, oh, for the shades. Well, I would have said, I would have said McInerney, same as you. Yeah. But then he, oh. Yeah. He so <laughs> I already just screamed, it's Captain Darling. I then got his name wrong. And I just thought, well, I might as well go three for three. Can I have a picture taken with you? <laughs> and you he know? went, yeah, sure, because he's super duper nice. And so I had my picture taken with Tim McInerney. McInerney. He's probably going to get in touch with me because fucking McInerney. It's twat. <laughs> And just because, why not? If I had a name that was slightly difficult to pronounce, like Nady, um, I would also mess around with people. Not that I do, I'm just pleased to make up my name right. It's not, then, it's not difficult. Well, it, it, there's a whole other thing with that. But <laughs> So then I went, what, are, you, are you staying? Because I went to the last night. So I went, are you staying for the after show? And he went, yeah. And I went, don't suppose you, want to, you fancy bringing in a rather spirited lady with you and he went no you're quite all right so, I was like, so that's a no then is it captain darling <laughs> you know so i didn't get to go into that and then i then i bumped into uh the, the the drummer from kate's gig who was a session musician from new york she mm -hmm. didn't use steve gad okay she didn't wow and i can't remember his name unfortunately but um and then i saw him and i was like oh you're amazing. Ah, oh, I'm gonna fucking chance my arm again because why not? I've usually I've, I've, give it a go, yeah. I talked my way into the backstage of a White Snake concert. I think I've got this. <laughs> I've got this. I have not got this. I've I've just not got this. And he was like, "Yeah, I'm just going on with Wade. I'm going back to New York. I'm getting a red eye." And I was like, "Fucking splitter." So that was it. So that was it. So that was my loitering with intent to to stay for the after show to meet Kate. I mean, but it's, it was a good attempt, and you, and you got to you got to meet Captain Darling. So I think that's still a win, and that's still a good anecdote to have. It was my Facebook photo for quite some time. <laughs> I was a bit a bit pleased about it, but you know, Kate is obviously she's gained a little bit of weight. She's got older. She's not the live seventeen-year-old that was prancing around, of course, doing yeah. her interpretive dance and singing in her lovely. You know, squeaky voice. I like to quote what people say, squeaky voice. Squeaky I remember voice. reading an enemy article, she's got a squeaky voice. I'm like, okay, that's the technical term for it, okay. Yeah, and doesn't sound great, does it, if you say squeaky voice? Yeah. It's, it's a negative. They wouldn't say that about, I don't know, Brian Connolly from The Sweet. Right, yeah. He probably let's used to sing all the way up there, right? Let's talk about Brian Connolly. Oh, yeah, we could talk about Brian Connolly. Because listening to The Sweet was probably the first band I ever listened because that was... Growing up in my house, my mum, it was just whatever it was, the best of sweets, sweets, greatest hits. Boring Blitz, Little Willie, Blockbuster, Fox on the Run, just, uh, that was the thing that made me want to start playing music, listening to Mick Tucker hit drums. So yeah, tell me about how you walk with Brian Connolly. 
got in touch with this I made friends with this guy who was a roadie in the seventies for a few people and he mm. knew he knew Brian Connolly. Right. And so he basically introduced me to Brian and Brian was um you know, he was in a really bad way and he was kind of quite great because you'd go down the pub and he would tell you all the stories of like him and Bowie and Mark Bowler oh, and cool. yeah. some really amazing stories that he told and you would just, you know, he was a mess but he'd hold court and you'd just sit and you'd listen and it was quite exciting because I had no idea the fuck he was apart from he was the guy that wrote the song that Cassandra Wayne's girlfriend from Wayne's World sang. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I know it's kind of annoying you a little bit but you know, no, again, I... my perspective... <laughs> on the street was grossly limited and you would go you would sit there and you would like you know and you would talk to him and, and he would just you know walk around telling you about the night Mark Boland died he'd walk around with a carrier bag full of cocaine Brian Connolly was yeah, no no or Brian not. Connolly and Mark were you know face deep like a like a trough mm. trough you know like a nose bag wow. for a horse they were face into the into the bag I mean, this was you know the hedonistic 70s yeah. where I think Freddie Mercury used to have midgets walk around with trays on their heads filled with cocaine. I mean, wow. it was a great time to be alive before all the out. AIDS came along and ruined it. I mean, they left that out of Bohemian Rhapsody, didn't they? But weirdly, they left out quite a lot of the crazy shit that they all got up to. They mm. made out that... Don't get me started on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, you know, and he would tell you all these stories. He'd tell you about the time that Bowie would come down and they'd be, you know, having a little jam and stuff like that. And they were very much not competitors they were all a part of that glam bubble but i think by that point De- bowie was all like fuck this shit i'm moving to something else mm. whereas i think the glam thing didn't didn't do that i think it was a thing and you know a bit like grunge it came it burned bright it died that yeah. you know magnesium it's and it, it has its day it's had its day and it doesn't mm. mean that it can't be prone to a revival every now and then but unlike bowie who was the master of you know, being malleable within yeah. the industry and noticing things and sensibly killed off Ziggy. I think yeah. these things are very important. Um, and then he started writing, and he was writing some music for a soundtrack okay. at um, the studio near Pinewood, and he was starting to write another album. And we were all just sat there going, we're not entirely convinced he's going to actually be able to sing this. And this is, sorry to interrupt, this is... Uh, this what, is around what, what, about the mid-90s, just, just before he died. Okay. And uh, the guitarist, guitarist friend of mine, uh, was, was playing the guitars and was helping co-write some of the stuff. And uh-huh. obviously we were all jumping on because of the cachet of Brian Connolly. Right, yeah. And then, uh, dead. Was it? Dead. He's dead. And so was that uh, like a surprise to you guys? Because like he's, by that time he sort of started to deteriorate and, and wasn't well, in a good He was way. just in a perpetual state of fucked. You know, he looked terrible. He was, you know, his body was fucked. Mm. I think in many ways Ozzy would still be the same, but Ozzy had better handlers, right? Well, Ozzy had Sharon. That's the thing. He, like, if Brian Bra- didn't. He didn't have a Sharon. Didn't have Sharon. And you see Ozzy now, I mean, like, he's... He's fucked. I don't know how Ozzy's still... I've seen Ozzy play a bunch of times and he's... St- I have no idea how he... I don't know how that man's he's breathing. Fucked. <laughs> he's fucked. Yeah. It's... He can't not do it though because everybody's dependent on him. So I sort of... That's kind of a sad state to be in. Is that, what what, else? is that where Brian was? Like people were dependent on him and he was almost forced to keep going? Like up until no. he died? I think Brian wanted to genuinely get back on the horse again. I think he'd spent a lot of years in the wilderness being fucked. Okay. And 
physically being unable to do the job, but who wants laughs? I'm is, awesome at. Is that kind of why the sweet um, sort of like because they they were seventies, they weren't eighties, was it because of Brian's health and on kind of like the change, like you said, the death of glam? Do you think that had a lot to do with it? I think Brian had he had not been such a mess with the drink and the drugs because I don't think it was just the one thing because mm. you would have seen Mark Bowland wrap himself around a tree as your friend and I think that would have straightened out a few people but yeah. I don't know Brian was just very different I mean I didn't know him on a deeply deeply personal level I have to be honest because he held court he liked to tell stories and regale mm. and so you were just all listened and just soaked up yeah and other stuff I mean, and even some of the artists I work with now still do that and it's very interesting mm. I love it but only a few of them and I can name a handful of them which I won't um, that will truly truly delve into the deep stuff that you could genuinely relate to yeah. where you have that moment just you to the last people standing in a hotel room at the end of a night and there's still a couple of bottles of champagne so you just sit on the bed just as mates chatting yeah. you know and you find that um, common ground. Yeah. Because we're all fucked up, aren't we? We're all no one. No one gets out of here alive. That's that's the reality, isn't it? We we don't get to our ages by not get, gaining a couple of scars along the way. That's the truth. Do you think, obviously, hanging out with kind of some of these guys who are saying, you know, oh, back in the day, back in the, the crazy seventies, do you think that's shaped you? into who you are now seeing those experiences and listening you know being I'd love to have been there would you <laughs> it's been amazing Do all the crazy stuff yeah yeah, yeah. rather than unknown I mean I you know I, I love all of those excessive rock stories they amuse me you must have had a couple as well though oh sure sure is there anything you can kind of without uh, shooting yourself in the foot or anyone else but you can you can give us a couple of examples or is that <laughs> is that off the, off the table <sighs> I've done some stuff. <laughs> I don't know if I can really repeat stuff I've done. I've been out. I've lived. I had a life. It's yeah. been fun. But it's been fun. I wouldn't change a single damn thing. I mean, that's the truth. Apart from I wouldn't have been such a snooty little prick when it came to giving Avril Lavigne my song. So you didn't want to give? No. Nah. Okay. So I was just a twat. Did they take it off you eventually? Or did no, you no, 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 no. It's my song. I have the rights to still do. So Avril she don't fucking want it now, weirdly. <laughs> so I'll Avril, give it to her. Avril Lavigne wanted your song and you just said no. No, I think Avril Lavigne people. Wanted people I don't yeah, think yeah. Avril Lavigne went, oh my guy, tell her off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, management. she was a girl and I was a boy. It's not going to be like that. I think her, but her management, her record company, they. Yeah, they were the ones who approached me. And that's why they dangled the carrot. They were like, oh, we'll sign you. You know, and then you got get me to write it without shares. Like, fuck you. You know, the only people I really know in the industry now who have to maintain a certain weight is dancers because of the safety of doing lifts and doing jumps on stage and if you start production at a certain weight which is bullshit because muscles heavier than fat we all know that this is a toxic bullshit that's that's, that's put out there because they say it's for the costumes it's so yeah if, if a female dancer is jumping thing. right if a female jumper is dancing the male jumper has got to know what weight he's catching that's fine too. But you know the other times you could flip that and go, she's gonna eat extra Big Macs this week, gain ten pounds. You might want to go and do some like dead weights, yeah. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> go and lift a little bit more so that you can get used to catching that extra ten pounds. She so don't throw you back out. But that doesn't happen, does it? No, it doesn't. It's happen. the expectancy for the woman 
to conform to the man rather yeah. than the man conforming to the woman. Yeah, and I know that because I used to dance, so I know that. Yeah. You know my costumes, and I know I've lost jobs because oh sorry, we're actually looking for a twelve. When I was a ten, I was like fuck off. So you weren't like you said with the one uh, was it with Island Records? You were too skinny. Uh, uh, Universal. With Universal. You were no, too- no, sorry, Universal. I was too too fat. To, okay, because you were an eight before, you were too skinny. Then you get then to my, the... my label turned to me and said, this is lovely, but we're starting to do promo stuff now and we'll be taking photos with the loads of stuff going to press. I think you're a bit thin. And I think you could do with gaining some weight. And, all right, you know, I'm going to hold my hands up and say I was going through a very, very stressful time. My relationship was over. My dad had just died. Mm-hmm. Now just walked into, talked myself into a fucking record deal because I basically laughed at the thought of them signing me to this dreadful shit pop song. Okay. Found myself a little bit out of my depth, emotionally not really able to properly deal with it. And were they looking out for you, do you think? No. No? No, they never do. Because you're not a person. You're a potential enemy. So for young musicians, young female artists, who are, who are launching into the industry now, maybe <coughs> getting record deals, talking to management, how do you think they should approach situations like that? When, when the record labels, like you said, you're a number, they don't care about you. You're not, well, they don't care you're, about you're not human. Management don't care about you either. What Very rare that you'll get a manager. Don't think we've been led down this stupid alley where, you know, it's that guy from Love Actually, <laughs> where, you know, they end up on Christmas Eve, instead of him going out on John's party, he goes home with his fat, useless manager. That shit doesn't happen, mm-hmm. you know. So what would you say to young female artists who are facing these scenarios now? I'd say that this is where you have to really stand up for yourself. You have to be real. Music industry is savage and a bit horrible. Mm-hmm. And the rules that are out there for, for men are not out there for you. Yeah. And there's a reason why Take That um, are still touring. And why, I don't know, pick a shitty girl group. Pick one. Not the Spice Girls. Pick another one. An old one or a current one? It's fucking matter. Pick one. So, Little Mix. Yeah, where are they, by the way? Are they still recording? It's not that I'm really very current with mm. stuff. But are they still recording? Isn't there one of them has been told she's fat, even though she's clearly not fat? So that's a really interesting thing. They've just put out a documentary. Oh, okay. Um, with her, Jessie, I think her name is. It's really brutal because she says how she was on X Factor and uh, it was she was shamed as the fat one. The fat one. And then she got to something like eight stone. She was size whatever. Unhealthily un- underweight. And, you know, she Terrible. had to keep dyeing her hair, putting all the makeup on and everything. Terrible. And she had... Um, such hate mail and horrendous stuff and she just couldn't cope yes of course she couldn't because I don't genuinely know a single person that could but then you look at someone like um, um, I don't know say like Sam Smith Rag and Birdman Rag and Birdman's got some chunk on him exactly they're guys who are just they're they're wow built they're big lads so why is it I mean actually no because Sam Smith lost a load of weight as well I think. Okay, yeah. But, but yeah, Rag and yeah. Bowman. Let's say Rag and Bowman. Yeah. He's got, like you said, he's chunky. He's got a lot of chunk on him. Yeah. He's not. Does he get the same abusive shit? No, he's not. Has he, has he gone, and it's two minutes to midnight, and now you're 30, Mr. Rag and Bowman. I'm so sorry. Young girls no longer wish to fuck you. Please make form, uh, join the queue of the unfuckables, and your career is now over, and we will now be finding your albums available in Poundland. <laughs> You know? But then you see, um, I remember watching a video not long ago with um, Hank Williams, junior country artist. Who, yeah, yeah. Who's like, 
probably very impactful as well. But. Well, yeah, I mean, he's getting on. He's 60-something, and he's, oh, he's letting himself go or whatever. And yeah. his music videos, he's got 20-something-year-old girls dancing around. Yeah. Which, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look at the backlash that? on someone like Nicki Minaj, actually. I think one of my biggest bugbears is hip-hop. I particularly dislike the... the um, the terms that they use. I mean, I've never been a big fan of the N word. I'm not, and that's definitely coming from someone who was a huge NWA fan. Mm, right. Yeah. Because um, oh, I, I loved all of that. Um, mm. Like West But that had such purpose so behind it. So much arm, man. It really was, and it was absolute protest music. Yeah. I think in that context, for me, it works brilliantly. Because mm. um, there's meaning behind it, and you get their sense and their perspective. And I think, obviously, listening to it after it's been out, but having that in the 90s must have been so powerful. Yeah, I mean, you look, you put NWA back in the context when they got that, Shout Out Compton was it 89, was it? 89, 90 when that came out. Somewhere around that, yeah. And then, what, the LA riots, 92. They burned the fuck out of LA, you know, and... and Had a big impact. Had a big impact, but did it? Did it really? Has it transformed black people and how they're treated? It hasn't. And neither has the use of that word, because as, as hip-hop became popular, it basically handed something that was originally a subculture thing mm-hmm. back to Whitey. So Whitey wow. then took hold of you know, a load of teenage boys who were now dropping the N-word, because for them they felt it was accessible and acceptable to say, because mm. it was featured in the music. They're like... Um, and in the same respect, is the, you know, they're kind of quite pejorative terms of like bitch and ho and stuff like that. You know, I mean, if you listen to the Tupac song, you know, Do For Love, you know, he uses that um, Bobby Caldwell tune as a sample. And actually, the things that Tupac's talking about, he's sort of talking about, you know, like, you know, you, you did me dirty, you did things. He sort of goes into the explanation of why he doesn't think you're a very nice woman and he doesn't really probably want, want to be around you anymore. And then mm-hmm. you've got all these, you move it forward. It's very, you know, it's very, very disgraceful to talk to a woman, to say, to address a woman in those terms. So how do you find, and um, you probably guess by now I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit on some of the stuff, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> when you have someone like Nicki Minaj who uses like bitch and hoe in her songs, do you think that's empowering to women? No. Like she's reclaimed the word? No, I don't. I don't think, in the same way, and yeah, I probably am old fashioned, and someone probably who's far more eloquent than me would be able to come up with a much more considered argument towards it. But I look at that in the exact same way that I look at my mum's generation, or they turn around to them and go, Look at that, is that a scarf? It's a belly. And I go, What the okay. fuck has it got to do with you? What she's wearing? Let her wear what she wants. Is she happy? Does she look good? Mm-hmm. She feel good. So she don't give a shit whether she looks good or not, because it's all about do you feel good? Is that okay. bringing you your stuff? Are you happy? Are you good? Because otherwise, we're not allowed to have blue hair and nose rings and you're not allowed to wear your hat and wear your scarf and wear your ACDC t-shirt mm-hmm. and your terrible stains of your lunch jacket. <laughs> you know, like, These are the things you're allowed to do. I'm not here for you, though, so I'm here for me. Mm. So if I want to whip my teeth... I appreciate in a college I'm probably not going to be allowed to do that. I, I also <laughs> know when things are acceptable. Okay. But, time and a place, right? Yeah, yeah, but that whole bitch, ho, ho, bitch, for me it doesn't work because you're now part of the problem because we are supposed to be better than that. And I think the one thing that this brilliant Gen Z, even the millennial generation, person, <laughs> um, but we support women now, we're lifting them. 
And that's the thing that's really starting to come about. And I'm really for that. More artists like me, though. Uh, you know, you know, you got my hair done, got my nails done. How are you feeling? Feel good as hell. Mm. Yeah, crack on. Yeah. That type of stuff. Because you can be sexy, but your version of sexy and my version of sexy are very, very, very different. And I also might fancy someone one day and on another day I'll feel like somebody else. You know, it's a bit fast food, isn't it? Chevy McDonald's or KFC. It's like Burger King or like Wagamama. So it's all acceptable and it's just preference. Yeah. And it's not shaming someone because, like you said, they, they've got blue hair, they've got nose rings or whatever. Yeah. And it's because you know, I grew up with that shit. So I grew up with, like, you can't have your nose ring and I had blue hair, so you can't have your blue hair. Mm. you can't wear your Nirvana t-shirt and, you was know. that from society that was oh yeah. That? yeah 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 okay. and even my mum like remember she made me take my nose ring out for my own fucking birthday party <laughs> I was like damn it woman and I just <laughs> I don't know why because usually I'd be like fuck off for, for some reason just gave in and just yeah I don't know I think she was like you just won't look good in the pictures or whatever it was <laughs> I was 18 I think I've been fighting with her a lot and I just thought I'll give her this one I don't know I can't really remember it was a very blurry time for me my my 18th year um, but this is the thing it's sort of like if if as a rapper you're still allowing the n-word to be prevalent in the words that you say for me you're just making that denigrated term be acceptable mm. so in the same way whether it's a man or it's a woman saying bitch and ho I ain't your bitch for a start so I ain't your ho and I wouldn't go up to my female friends and be like alright oh, slag because it's just not I think we've been called that enough. Thanks. So it's making the word accessible yeah. for men and, and everyone to yeah. use. And it's not as if it's... It's not like it's a term of endearment. No, it's it, not. You know, like, and you know what it's like if you call your, your mate whatever name. Dickhead. Yeah, right, right, dickhead. exactly. Yeah, yeah, great example. My friend Katie calls me and she goes, shut up, you dickhead. I kind of quite love it because it's meant with affection. Plus exactly. also dickhead. So, you know, <laughs> you know the T-shirt fits. And the C-word is I believe in the freedom of speech. Absolutely. Absolutely believe in the freedom of, of expression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But what I don't believe in is continuing this ridiculous thought process that the all the thing we're good for is sexual shit, that we are to be fucked, we are to be watched, we are to be admired, you are to be young, you are to be pretty, and then you are to fuck off mm -hmm. because you are no longer useful for society. Because the truth is Kylie Minogue got a lot more fucking interesting when she turned 30 than when she was in her 20s. Okay. And that doesn't necessarily mean still that I like her, you know, that she's an artist that I would listen to and follow. But it catches your eye, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and it's something away from the norm, you know. It certainly is. And I think that's the thing, you know, like, I'm fine with, with language, I'm fine with terms, they're, f they're fine for me. Mm -hmm. But I am fine of keeping my sisters down. So that's just not where I'm fine. And I really feel like, I don't know how much place I have in this business anymore. I don't know what okay. I have to say that's relevant, but I am very fortunate to be here to 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 work with young young artists, upcoming talent, and I'm planting some seeds. I'm like a fucking farmer, <laughs> so I'm just scattering my seeds. That sounds weird. But Let's not say. Oh, but you're passing that. Yeah. With, with that colourful analogy, <laughs> it's like it's but you're. Adam seeds. <laughs> but you're sowing the roots. No, I'm you know, but yeah, I am. You're imparting that knowledge on the next generation. No, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm lighting a fire under it, and I'm telling them no, no. So we don't say sorry. You don't say sorry. You don't go up to the guy you, who's there to help work on your song, 
and when he's taking over it, he's putting shit in that you don't want in there and it's starting to go in a completely different way to what you want and how you hear it. Because it's your fucking song. You don't say sorry, uh, you know, because, um, sorry, no, no. You don't say sorry, and in fact, be, be my girl here. Never say the word sorry ever again. Remove it from your language. It doesn't exist. If you genuinely feel like you've wronged someone or done something that requires some form of atonement, apologise. Mm -hmm. A lot more to it. But I ain't sorry. I ain't sorry for, sat for sitting here. I ain't sorry for shaking shit up. I tried. I couldn't achieve as much as I wanted to. I would have, if I'd have had a platform to shake shit up, trust me, I would have. Now I've got a platform to shake shit up. So I'm shaking it. But I'm not saying sorry for doing it because I'm doing the thing that my parents' generation should have done for me because they were the fucking generation that burnt their bras mm -hmm. and got birth control and fucking marched on Greenham Common. You know? That was their generation. They got to d divorce. I mean, that was an unheard of thing. Women got to divorce. They got to turn around and go, actually, you're shit. You're terrible. At 16, I didn't know what the fuck I was thinking and right. I don't want to be with you anymore. Instead of going, oh, times are different. They make, they, you know, they make excuses. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not making excuses. I don't know another woman of my generation that, that would. Mm -hmm. And I'm not the only one. I am not alone in this. If you speak to any one of my friends, and we're all around the same age, we're all Gen X. You know, we are the disaffected youth. We are the ones that were left behind. We were neglected by the boomers. We were. But we still fought. We still laid down some stuff. And I'm not here now to be polite. And I'm not here to be pretty. I'm not here to be what you want me to be because I'm not here for you. And that's what I want for them. And it's really sad that for me it's taken me 20 years to get to this point. I would have liked to really have been there. But I kept getting told by men to fucking play the game. And that's the bad part. And that's really what it comes down to. And I want to be more like Kate. I want to be that 17-year-old. Mm -hmm. That ingenue stood there in that <laughs> fucking studio fighting EMI. Just fighting yeah. them tooth and nail and she eventually acquiesces but only after she meets the session band that's the only time she's ever turned <laughs> and gone fine should i do this one little thing for you and that's why she's a genius because at 17 she fucking knew it yeah. as did Joni, and that's why aretha sadly didn't and she got fucked over by a lot of men and she lost a lot of money and a lot of her rights to her stuff so I'm telling my girls, it doesn't matter whether you're in that genre or not, but you be more Kate, you be more Joni, you be you, you be unapologetic and you never say sorry for it. Because no one's going to thank you, but one day, my little seven-year-old is going to grow up. Mm -hmm. she's, she's not that small, she's <laughs> not a fucking oh, hobbit. Okay. I mean, she's going to grow up, mm -hmm. and you're going to be the thing that she's going to look up to. So I have to do something. Yeah. I have to make sure that she doesn't stand there feeling like she needs to have... You want to have your caterpillar eyes and all stuff. I'm old, so it's, I can't be fucked in the morning. <laughs> that's, what, that's where reality is. I didn't brush my hair today, to be fair. I, I, I took a chance and threw two pins in it. That was the best I could achieve at six o'clock in the morning on a Monday. That's but fair, yeah. More power to you. You've got the skills. You can do all of that stuff. But you know what? If you don't have to and you don't want to, you shouldn't have to. Mm -hmm. Be Alicia Keys. Don't wear makeup. You don't hear for anyone. You hear for you. That's what I want. That's the legacy. If I leave anything, that's the one I'll leave. That's the one I want to leave. I think that's a really 
powerful message and a really great message to put out there. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for coming and being on the show because I, I really wanted to to tap into you <laughs> and get that honesty. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much. Did you have um, kind of as we as we start to wrap up, like any anything you wanted to plug that you're doing in the future or any kind of last thoughts? Should have given out on the boom whistle. <laughs> You know, the one regret from a musical career 50% of something is 50% mm. 100% of nothing <laughs> I mean I'm not good at maths but even I can do that but even you <laughs> you know and that's the thing I should, should have been precious about it I should have had more faith that I could write more I think that's the thing you get fearful because we're told we can't you can't do that well I think it's nice that you've came to this um I'd say realisation now that you're like you're writing for you yeah and for you alone and me that. alone yeah and I don't want to be also one genre as well I think that was always a thing that because you know you can like I can like Meg and I can yeah. like Kate and I can like Aretha and I can like Nine Inch Nails and I can do a record that could have all of those things right yeah I was told I couldn't right because you had to be you were either a pop artist or you were a singing in a rock band yeah but we don't like your slightly jazzier song for God's sake why has <laughs> that song got some jazz influences in it well why the fuck wouldn't it you but know that's the thing if you, you listen to um like i think we spoke before about um oh my god i'm what am i going down that babe grohl mustaine no oh. um from van halen i can't oh, believe i'm uh, blanking here oh david lee roth david lee roth thank yeah. you Jesus. just a gigolo yeah yeah right. <laughs> brilliant but it's but Great what he came from yeah and it was you know you're the singer of van halen and then you see him do that, yeah. and it's like, what? But but he can do that. That's the can. thing I keep coming back to. He can do that. Mike Patton can do that. Chris Cornell could do that. Exactly. All of them could do that. Rick Astley can do that. Rick Astley's got a career. He's got. I, I go to Sainsbury's, and I see his CD. He's got a big band on now. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, yeah. all great. But where is Belinda? Because I tell you what, my mate's the MD of her band, and they're fucking amazing. She's mm -hmm. amazing. She's fucking amazing. She looks amazing. Where is she though? She's not in Why isn't she releasing music? Yeah. She's great. Surely now she's 50 odd. She's got some life thrown at her. She can, she's got some shit to say. Well, that's when the songs get more interesting, I think. When you kind of, as you draw on your own experiences, yeah. through having the chain of events, coming out of a relationship, losing your father, and then you're like, oh my God, my songs are just flowing now. Yeah. But she, obviously all the points we've gone over today. She's still fuckable, but she's not record A&R fuckable. That's the thing. And that's, the, that's, that's fundamentally... It's not that I want the record industry to die either. I really, really don't. Mm. Um, but I want it to die in its current state. I want it to die in that stupid, you know... School this guy's okay, he can continue. He can continue being a monumental twat. But, you know, look at how Amy Winehouse was treated. You know? Well, this is the thing, because like, you go back a few years ago when, obviously, the Indies were Indies, and they had some power, but now they've just all been bought up. Yeah. And so... You know, obviously we're looking at women here, but then when you, I mean, when we, you could tangent on this for hours, but then obviously you put, you know, the transgender into it and, and well, every yeah. everything that oh. is non-binary. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. I don't understand these people. Like, every time someone says, like, I suppose you can't mention gender anymore. Well, you can, Nora, if you really fucking <laughs> want to, love. You're not going to offend me. I'm all right. I identify as a woman, you know, gobby little one as well. But, you know, I am a woman. 
Um, I feel like we've tangented yes, so we've much. Yes, we've gone. I went on a rant. I went out, people. Great. It's yeah, great. I need to have a wee, actually. I'm very right. much at the point where. Let's I'm... leave it there. Thank there you, you so much for coming. Please don't just put the wee thing on as well. I need to have a wee. <laughs>